All right, well, welcome to Digging Deeper. My first week. It's your second week. I'm a, I'm a uh, expert at this point. Yes, you are a veteran on the pod and vodcast yep. world. I am a, I'm an official <laughs> podcaster. Well, that was fun. I was out of town and got to watch you and Robert last week uh, dissect my message. So uh, now I get to return the favor. <laughs> yeah, Robert, you know, the thing was, you, didn't, you weren't here, but Robert just had so many things to complain about. And I was like, no, Robert, we're not just going <laughs> to sit here and make fun of what Brandon talked about. So I really, I really held him back I, last week. I don't believe you. <laughs> I just don't believe him. <laughs> I think it was probably the other way around. So this week we were in chapter three. And that was a, a lot of verses to try to cover. It was. I, I didn't get to the whole chapter, but yeah. got to a bulk of it. So I got to a chance to, to sit through both services and listen. And um, I loved the way you went a very different direction than I think a lot of people would have went. And you decided to address this kind of dichotomy of demonstration and proclamation, right? You have Peter and John and they heal this man, and they demonstrate the compassion and love of Jesus, but then they also then give verbal witness to this being in the name of Jesus and the way that kind of like to use the analogy of the, the bowling lanes and two gutters, like we have to have both. It's both and, it's not and or, like it's acts of compassion and it's proclamation of truth. Yeah. And you also use Tom Brady as an example, uh, which was it's a handsome man. Yeah, yeah it's controversial. There were I know there's some people that <laughs> it's just disgusting. He's like my age, and he doesn't look like my age. But whatever. Who do you think looks more like Tom Brady, me or you? I, you know, <laughs> just that's our poll question for the week. Post your answer in the group. Yeah. <laughs> What, what led you in that direction? Because I have some questions about what you chose not to preach about, but what really sure. st struck you to make you go that direction? Um, I would say, um, that's a good question. The initial approach I take, I don't know, we all do it differently. When I know that I'm speaking and, you know, with this week, kind of you know, last minute trip. And so for me, it was, I hadn't spent a lot of time pre-thinking about it. Just opening up my Bible and reading it um, is, especially when we're doing something like this, where we're going through a passage, I just read it and then I get to the end and I start over and read it again. I try to read it like maybe three or four times before I even have anything in my mind. And I think what happened was I came to the point where Peter says, you know, get up and walk. And I don't know. I, the, a lot of times when I'm thinking about preaching or what I want to talk about, and this is, I think, generally true, so often I preach from this place of growing up in my experiences and in the way that I have experienced Christianity, the way that I've been taught Christianity, the, the ways that it's been presented to me throughout my life that I appreciate and, and hold to and the ways that it's been presented to me in my life where I'm like, well, I don't think that's really good. Uh, and where other people have very different experiences, my experience was very much a, you know, and if you listen to the message, I talked about these two gutters and, you know, there's the helping people, the compassion, and then there's the proclamation side of it. My history, my upbringing of Christianity was oftentimes very much to one side. It kind of was in the gutter of, I would hear things like, well, it doesn't matter really if somebody's life is okay as, as long as they get to heaven, you know? Mm. Like I kind of grew up with some of that, some of the churches I was a part of, I, I heard it a lot. And so 
when I talk about this kind of stuff, I think there's a natural part of me that wants to push back a little bit, not to go to the other gutter, but to try to find the middle. And so I read the passage and I think in my head, I just, I don't know, I guess I just remember or had thoughts of like passages like this, ignoring the fact that Peter prayed for the man's physical need, turning into a, you know, all Peter really cared about was the man's soul. Hmm. And I was like, I, I, Peter cares about both. Um, and so I kind of wanted to like, this was where my brain went. And yeah. so I don't know, the Tom Brady stuff just sort of popped into my brain. Cause I was thinking, I think I was listening to a sports podcast where they were fighting about the two of them and it made Brady me think of that. Yeah. yeah. Kind of where it came from. I found, I, I mean, my mind went a couple places that was interesting, at least it went actually in a political realm where it's like, you actually have, it seems like, the two political parties right now being in different gutters that you would have probably the democratic side that's way towards acts of compassion, social programs and help. But then the Republican party wanting to have, you know, substance and truth and, and work ethic and things like that. And even Christianity kind of spilling over into the political arena. Um, seemed like the analogy worked in, in both. Well, it's actually funny you say that. And so I think what's cool about a podcast like this is, Literally, you can kind of see behind the scenes a little bit where you and I um, are, you know, primarily you're the primary preacher here, but I'm part of, part of this team. Yeah. And what's interesting, just so people might not know this, is so you have thought through, um, here's how we want to break down the book of Acts. Here's things we want to talk about for the next few months. And then invite me or Robert or others to sort of take a week. Yeah. But I also know other conversations we've had. And one of the conversations we've had is a book that you've read that um, talks about kind of the difference between what parts of what you might call liberalism in America are true to the Bible, what parts of conservatism are true to the Bible, and how there's some differences. And I was thinking about that, and Mm -hmm. I literally was being cautious because I know that, and we hadn't hadn't talked about it, but I know that you were actually hoping to potentially even do a full series about that. So I was trying to avoid getting into that and not (laughs) go super deep because I knew that you wanted to cover that more in detail later. At some point, yeah. I mean, there's the the book Destroyer of the Gods and... Is that where that book is from? Destroyer of the Gods? Uh Uh-huh. Okay. Yeah, so so it kind of looks at these different things that really made the first century Christians distinctive and what made them stand out in the Roman Empire. And the four, at least four of the major distinctives now have two have went to the Democratic Party, two went to the Republican Party, and his contention is to be relevant, or actually Tim Keller's contention, a pastor from New York, says that the Church of Jesus Christ in the Western world today needs to embrace all four of these to to really carry out the, the love of, of Christ. And so I'll definitely probably preach on it sometime, but he, he looks at the the first century Christians were marked with a, a pro-life stance, that they were there to rescue babies that were thrown away, mm-hmm. um, that they had a very strong view of marriage and kind of just being heterosexual and um, monogamous in its nature, one that was uh, a, a very high uh, diversity and multi-ethnic view of, of wanting to have all types of people, yeah. um, and then also uh, a social justice component of taking care of the widow, the orphan, the poor, that all four of those we're a part of the church, but generally the, the Democratic side is known for, you know, diversity and social justice, and the Republican side is more pro-life and pro-marriage. Hmm. Um, but they're not political aspects. They are <laughs> Christian yeah. virtues. So They're part of God's world as he wants it to be, yeah. for sure. Yeah. So one of the things I was curious, because I know in your background a little bit, 
the demonstrative side of the faith, uh, signs, wonders, prophecy, healings, there's a, a, a crippled beggar here in Acts chapter 3 that miraculously is told to get up and walk. Yeah. He didn't talk about that a whole lot. I, I <laughs> like mean, why? like I'm just fascinated, no, like because good. the rest of Acts, I'm trying to wrestle with what I'm going to talk about because we're going to keep seeing miraculous healings. Like, I'd love to take just a minute and be like, was that something you intentionally just didn't want to kind of address, or is it one of those things you're like, I, I don't know how to address it. I'm asking for help for my sermon next week yeah. too. So, yeah, that's another cool thing I think about a podcast like this is people kind of can see behind the scenes of how we approach this stuff. Yeah. Um, I, I just to, I'm not trying to dodge your answer. I'm giving a bigger picture answer. The, you know, whether it's in seminary or where the, forget about church or Christianity, just public speaking in general, TED Talks, whatever. It's a general rule of thumb that the best speeches, the most impacting things are things that have one key thing that you want someone to know. Yeah. And you, you make it clear and you hammer it home. And it's, I think that's so true with even just teaching, but especially from preaching from the stage, like when you get up on a stage in front of a group of people and you have nine things you want to talk about, generally speaking, people don't remember any of them. Yeah. When you get up and have one thing that you want to talk about. Uh, they might. <laughs> there's a better chance <laughs> that at least chance. they're coming away with it. Um, and I think when you look at the Bible, the way that we're doing it, and so there are sort of these two big ways to preach what we call topical, where you have an idea, a concept, and we want to break it in a few places, or exegetical, like pulling, exegeting, pulling out of the scriptures where we're just walking through verses. When you're just walking through verses, I mean, any passage in the Bible, you could find 17 different topics to talk about in a chapter, and you can't talk about all of them, otherwise it's just a blur which is really hard to do because I do know some people that other churches that will say like, well, we're just going to do one verse at a time. And, uh, but here we, I, mean, I have a whole chapter. So yeah. had I, I felt like as I was approaching it and thinking about it, my idea, the thing that I wanted to communicate from this passage was this idea of the two parts of being a good witness. And as I just looked at the concept of miracles, I was like, if I even start talking about that, <laughs> I mean, like, yeah. I, how do I even mention it without giving it, some explanation, some substance, suddenly yeah. that's 10 minutes of my 35 minute message. So what I did was I just said, you know, in, in addressing it, I said, you know, this is a big deal. We could spend all time on it and we probably will, which was essentially my way of punting of it. Scared responsibility <laughs> to, back to, to me. know that Brandon so, yeah, had the next sure. few weeks and here I'm talking yeah. about. Um, so do you, do you think this still happens? Yeah, I do. Um, I've seen people get healed before. Um, uh, you know, and I, I've had like my daughter Hope this morning. We were talking about this passage, and she's like, "Daddy, have you ever have you ever healed somebody?" And I was like, "Well, I, I personally don't have the power to. That's Jesus, but yeah. I've actually not had the courage to look at someone in a wheelchair and say, "Hey, get up and walk.'" <laughs> but but I know one of the things that intrigued me. I mean, we've known each other for twenty something years now. Now we're family. You know, our wives or sisters and stuff. But you personally introduced me to the ministry of the Holy Spirit. And, mm-hmm. and I know that you've, you've seen things happen. I know that God's used you in my life to, to have the Holy Spirit work. And so, but I feel like the older I've got, and maybe the older you've got, sometimes I still believe that, 
but I don't see it as much or I don't even ask for it as much. So I'm just wondering, because I think that, I don't know if people were able to get through the first few verses of chapter three if they're just reading without being like, wait, does that even still happen today? Yeah. Um, I had somebody, I think I had two people ask me that same question after church. Really? <laughs> yeah, you know, you kind of walk in the hallway and everyone's like, hey, I did a great job. Do people still get healed? <laughs> it's like, yeah. oh, I was just headed to the bathroom. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah you know, I, I, uh, I, it's a hard thing because um, I grew up, going back to how I grew up, I, you know, I said there were things that I loved about my childhood and things that I wasn't excited about. The part about the Christianity that I grew up in that I still really appreciate and think fondly of is that my tribe, if you will, whatever you want to call it, was Mormons? very, no, oh, uh, sorry. no. <laughs> we, it's called charismatic people that okay. were very open to this kind of stuff. Believing if there's a Mormon listening, that probably was very insensitive. So no, they, they're a I, tribe, I, I guess. That. I don't yeah, know. Okay. How you say a tribe? Sorry. Um, and I, I definitely, um, my experience has seen too much hmm. to, to question whether God still does miracles. Of, of course he does. And as a, as a, reader of the Bible, there's nothing in the Bible that would tell me he ever stopped. Yeah. Um, I can look at the world and look at culture and draw conclusions about ways in which we're so different. Maybe maybe that's why it doesn't happen. You know, we we live after the scientific revolution where a lot of us are raised to sort of question certain things. Yeah. Um, you know, we also live in an era where modern medicine does a lot of the things that People yeah. couldn't do then. And, you know, I did make the comment about here, this was a guy who lived at a time where you you drew the short straw in life and your life was going to be terrible. <laughs> the government was going to help you. There was nothing to be done. There was no science. I mean, had this guy been born in 20, 2020, and if he was two or three years old right now, we probably already would have fixed his legs and he'd probably grow up having a normal life. Yeah. Um, and if we hadn't, we'd have plenty of services and ways to take care of him. He could... You know, there's every building he would walk into or building he'd roll up a wheelchair into would be required by law to have a ramp, right? Completely different life. Yeah. And so maybe, and this word maybe, because we live in this world where we don't sense the, if God doesn't do this, we're screwed. We live in a society that's like, well, it'd be cool if God did this, but I know neurosurgeons can fix it too. <laughs> yeah. Does that alone point. kind of yeah. keep us from being like, oh, I, so what we do, I don't know if you notice this, we don't pray for people to get healed. We pray for God to use the surgeon's hands. <laughs> God, I pray for the doctors that, uh, yeah, they would. And maybe that's just a big cop out and we're just being well, cowards. I, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, you've traveled some and, you know, when you travel to other places around the world, and particularly more poverty-stricken places. I mean, I remember being in Haiti, and it's more unnatural for them to think of a doctor, unless it's going to be a voodoo-type witch doctor, to do any healing. Like, they are believing and asking God's, you know, powerful intervention to take place. And uh, I just, I've heard stories like one of our elders at our church, um, you know, he is highly involved with a, a school uh, in Africa and he comes back and he was, he tells stories of, of healings of people's legs and, 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 you know, sicknesses and, and disease and stuff like that. And so it is almost like when there is um, more of a reliance and dependence on God and a desperation because there's not even opportunities for modern medicine to potentially intervene, God shows up, you know, yeah. and um, 
so yeah, I guess I just, I want people who are watching or listening here, like we, we believe this can still happen and hope for that. Um, but it is one of those things at times that, uh, I don't want to look like a fool. So I wouldn't want to go, Hey, silver and gold, I do not have get up and walk. <laughs> I'd be like, I'd be like, I gotta find some silver and gold to give this guy. Yeah. Um, or what I, what I find just interesting in the passage too, is like he also gave him what he could give him, which was Jesus, which is the most important thing. Yeah. Um, as we get ready to close, I did want to ask one more question because I know it's a it's a part of your passion, your theology, and it's impacted us here. And, and particularly in second service yesterday, you got there's there's more kind of gusto behind it. But like this notion it's of caffeine like, between services. Oh, okay. Well, <laughs> but I I heard your heart in that this idea of like someday I'll fly away and go to heaven. And as long as people go to heaven, then we're good. But like. You want heaven here on earth, and you believe heaven more is here on earth versus like escapism. Hmm. So I would just maybe one to two minutes. <laughs> I know that's impossible. If you if he can't do it, then go to Rise to Life, which starts yeah, here in a couple of weeks. That's a, that's it's three weeks worth. But like, where, just that passion, where that comes from, as far as like abjugating responsibility, because someday I'm just going to be playing a harp on the clouds. Yeah, um, one to two minutes. Everything for me starts with why I'm, I'm just driven that way. I'm sure I was an annoying kid. Uh, I want to know why. And there's so much about Christianity <clears throat> that I've been heard and I've been taught. And I just was like, why, <laughs> why we're going to go to heaven one day. Why, why didn't God just make us in heaven? Why am I here at all? Like, like, Oh, you know, you need Jesus so you can get there when you die. Like, why don't I just go there now? Like none mm-hmm. of it, it, I wrestled with it. But what I didn't wrestle with as a kid, and again, there's these two good and bad sides. I never wrestled with whether God was real and whether he loved me mm-hmm. and whether he was present in my life. So I wasn't wrestling with atheism. <clears throat> I wasn't, as even you know, in my early college years, late teens, I wasn't like, is God there? I was more like, I know you're there, but what is the deal with all this stuff? Like, why is it so, like, what is the, I don't, like, <laughs> do you even care about my life right now? Or are you just going to hang up there and then I'll see you when I die? And the person that influenced me the most, and I don't mind saying this, was a, a scholar named N.T. Wright. I found one of his books when I was 23, and it talked about, in this very simple way, <clears throat> that uh, God's kingdom on earth, talking about God's kingdom on earth doesn't mean you trying to like make the earth paradise or, you know, believing that what might be called like post-millennialism that we're in the end. Like, it just means that God created the earth. And when he created it, looking at that Genesis chapter one passage, he looked at it and he said, it's good. It's what I wanted. Like God made something, step back. Unlike most of the stuff that I make, he's like, it's good. It's exactly as it's supposed to be. This is what I intended. And then the story says, we screwed it up. And God was saddened by that, but loved us and said, I know you screwed it up, but I want to help bring it back to good. I want to help restore it to what it was supposed to be. Nowhere in that story are human beings dying and their souls are leaving to Mm. some ethereal other existence where God lives. God came and dwelt with us at this place that he made for us. And so I believe that the story of the Bible is not a story about how you escape earth. It's a story about how God is redeeming and restoring what he made. That's you and I. And so 
do I believe in heaven? Absolutely. Do I believe that those who die that are in Christ go there? That's what the Bible teaches. But the Bible also teaches that the end of the story is Jesus coming back yeah. to earth with all those who have died, the, the uh, coming out of our graves and meeting him and establishing his completely fulfilled kingdom on earth. The Bible ends on earth, not in heaven. So N.T. Wright like, has... usually heaven is earth. Well, I think heaven is separate from earth because it's God's realm. God didn't create earth to dwell in. Yeah. He dwells in heaven. That's his place. He created earth for us. And where heaven and earth meet each other, uh, you know, in the ancient world, they believe that was a temple where, where heaven and man met each other. The Bible says we are temples. We are where heaven and earth meet on mm. earth. Um, and so, yeah, I was like one of the phrases that I heard N.T. Wright say when I was younger, he talked about how Christians need to rediscover a theology of life after life after yeah. death. <laughs> and yeah. I just loved that. It was like, like there that essentially I'm not believing purgatory. I'm not saying that, but what we think of as going to heaven is temporary. Yeah. And what we think of often as this place we have to get away from is what God wants to heal and make forever. And so mm. why shouldn't that start today? Yeah. Uh, Paul said that we should live as if it's daytime. The sun is sort of just coming over the horizon. A new day is dawning, but live your life as if the sun is fully up. So live as if I'm now in a new heaven, new earth. So what does life look like? What did God intend life to look like? That's how I want to live it today. I want to experience it. I want others to experience it. Um, and so that's part of the mission one. Yeah. I think it even... That was not two minutes. No, it wasn't, but that's okay because <laughs> everyone is captivated and uh, still yeah. dialed in. Mm-hmm. So yep. I, mean, I just think Acts you know, chapter one, that the angels tell the disciples who are looking at Jesus as he ascends, he's going to return the same way. Like he's coming back. He's coming back. He's coming yeah. back. He didn't say you're going to float away like him. He's coming back and the establishment of his rule and reign forever. So, so anyway, I think we'll close there. Um, yeah. John's waving his arms, telling us to stop. You say, hey man, your time's it's up. taking too but, long. But the thing is, is you can tell you uh, hopefully this lunch. notion of digging deeper is... There's a lot that goes in when I'm preaching messages, but even not even the preaching of messages, but but digging into the depths, the the what's behind the thing, behind the thing in the scriptures. And hopefully this this podcast helps do that and maybe spurs on some more questions for you to uh, go dig deeper as well. So this coming week, we'll be in Acts chapter four. So we'll uh, talk about that next week. And as I mentioned earlier, uh, Rise to Life, a class that Pete teaches, uh, starts February 20th. Encourage you to maybe check that out. It's for three weeks at 6 o'clock on Sunday nights here at the church. Um, and that whole notion of heaven and earth and all those types of things, I know that you spend a lot more time digging into that and the power of the Holy Spirit. So that's what we got for you. We'll see you next week for Digging Deeper. Thanks, everybody.